Rebecca. And Lily. And you're listening to Just, Just Ghouly, Ghouly Things. things. Hey, Boo Things, and welcome back to Just Ghouly Things, the Quarantine Spooky Story Special, Episode 24. And we are your Bootsyful hosts, Rebecca and Lily. Hey! So, uh, you guys, hope all is well. Happy Saturday, if you are watching this, the day of recording. Um, I went to bed at, like, 10 o'clock last night. and really? still Yeah, and still managed to get up at 10 o'clock in the morning. I slept a full 12 hours. I feel pretty good. I have my orange juice with me right now. It's the, the drink of the day. And, <laughs> but, and, but it's so funny because usually Mike's the one to go to bed early and then I'm the one that like is a night owl. Mm-hmm. I went to bed at 10. He didn't go to bed till 7 o'clock this morning. What? Yeah. What are you doing? He, you know what? I woke up at like 3.30 and he was in bed like playing Call of Duty on his phone. And I was just like, what the hell are you doing? He's like, I can't go to sleep. I'm like, now you know how I feel when you yell at me for, like, staying up late because I can't fall asleep. Then I wake up this morning, <laughs> and he's like, guess what time I actually, like, fell asleep. I said, what? He goes, 7 o'clock. I don't. Mm-mm. I don't get it. I've had those nights, though, and they are the worst because in the they rest of the, the day, you're like nights. a zombie. They're so lonely. Yeah, and you're like a zombie the whole time, like, the rest of the day. And then you go to bed yeah. at, like, 7 o'clock at night. And it just, like, fucks with your whole sleep schedule. Even though I don't even know what a sleep schedule is at this point. Because of porn. Yeah, I have no sleep schedule. I think my... I'm trying to, like, wake up at the same time, go to sleep at the same time, mm-hmm. like, within an hour. So, like, I wake up, like, I have an alarm set for 10, 15 every day. But I don't always get up at that first alarm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, and, like, I try to go to bed around 10 o'clock. But, like, I never fall asleep until, like, midnight. Yeah. It's, it's hard because, you know what, like... I feel like it's easier to wake up earlier when you know that you have something to do. But I'll have these plans like, oh, I want to wake up this time, do this, this, that. But then I wake up, and then I'm like, I could do all of this later in the day. I don't need to do yeah. it right now. So, like, psychologically, my body just, like, shuts down. I don't want to get up. It's, like, yeah. the worst habit. So I guess that's something that I'm trying to work on. But it's so hard. It's so much easier said than done. It really is. But um, all right, Lil. Uh, let's get started right into our 10 spooky stories, all right? You want to start? Sure. Let's hear it. All right. This one is called The Experience That Scarred Me. Ooh. Hey, I feel like I owe you an introduction, right? I'm Maria, and I'm 20, and my life is kind of (laughs) crazy. For some background, I made a post where I explained what it felt like to be a medium and how I grew up with the supernatural side by side. I mentioned some creepy encounters, but there's this one I'd like to share. I have lived with my mother's family basically mostly most of my life. I moved around a lot, but not much until my mother died in 2009 when I stayed with my grandma for a year and then moved to my father's. We, we lived for seven plus months in his apartment and then moved to my stepmother's. There I lived until I completed 16 and when I decided enough was enough and I couldn't deal with my dad's dysfunctional relationship, how they blamed me for everything and anything and also my dad's bad concept of raising a child, so I left. I had a job, my grandma needed help, and there was the perfect match. My stepmom is a religious woman up to nowadays. She is what you might call an umbandista. A what? You ban you 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 bandist U M B A N D 
I-S-T-A. It says in parentheses, a person who believes and accepts entities, most Africans, um, most Africans into their body and guidance in their life. I've mostly. never heard of that. Yeah, me neither. She liked me, took good care of me, but didn't accept well for... Well, but didn't accept well the fact that my father searched for shelter and friendship in me since I was a kid and my life was simple. If your relationship is bad, end it. Uh, if the apple is not ripe, save it. You got it, right? Well, I am not blaming my stepmom, but I'm definitely saying that her feelings might have evoked something. Two days before the moving, I had a major migraine. I ended up in the hospital just to discover it was due to stress. I thought, yeah, I'm six working hard, extra hours, plus school courses, community service. I'm just tired. That night, we slept in the hospital. I went along with my normal with my normal day the next morning, and my what was supposed to be normal night arrived. <laughs> Unfortunately, that night was nothing but normal. I'm a scaredy cat. This is a fact. And no matter how experienced in the paranormal field you are, you're going to get scared when something unexplainable happens to you. Well, I tried sleeping, but I couldn't. Uh, I, I had this plastic in my bed that my aunt, my stepmom's mother, put um, during the moving so the mattress wouldn't get dirty, and it made a terrible noise when I moved above. It was unnerving. Eventually, I found the perfect position and fell asleep. Bear in mind, this is Brazil we're talking about, mid-June, and my fan would be on, but fairly. My room was the last in the hallway near the kitchen, so it was kind of hot. During the night, I had a nightmare. I don't recall much, but I ended up hurting myself while moving during my sleep. It's, it was not much, just a few bumps and scratches. I, when I woke up, I assumed that there were many things scattered around the room, or maybe one of the wooden parts of the disassembled wardrobe was it. I went to the bathroom, and... And that's when things started to get freaky. After five plus years living in a house, you just know it. The lights can be on or off. You know, you know it, and you know when something is off. That night, I knew it. The corridor lights were on. My bedroom door was open, but the kitchen door was open too. And it wasn't when I first saw. I'm trying to like correct this person's like grammar and spelling as I read. And it wasn't when I first woke up. Okay, so when the person first woke up. The door, the doors were closed, but now they're open. I thought it had been my stepsister who came home earlier from her trip, but there were no bags in the living room floor, nor were her shoes there. I froze in place. Something wouldn't just allow me to walk, and I obeyed. I'm in my bedroom. I heard the noises of wind and the fan over the bed switch to something frantically searching and scratching what was supposed to be my body on the bed. Oh, God. I breathed in perhaps too loud, but I did. And that's when it hit us. I was not in the bedroom. I, what? I started crying before I even saw it, but I, but when I did, I couldn't stop. First, its hands held the door frame too tight. The wall cracked a bit. The tiles even made a too loud sound. So my dad's dog outside, my dad's dog outside barked. And then I felt quiet in fear. I couldn't take my eyes off how black, deep, and long the, the fingers were and how skinny was the hand holding so tightly to the door frame. His head started to emerge from the darkened room, and oh. even with the hallway's light on, it couldn't show the light in it. It was too dark to get light through. 
It came walking with its massive black figure towards me, but I ran to my aunt's room that was beside the bathroom and knocked on her door in despair. It disappeared before she opened it. She felt the energy it left behind, blessed me and my bedroom, and allowed me to sleep with her that day. I moved out of my dad's and in with my grandma, and it was perfect. I had my freedom, my money, my old friends back, and it felt so damn good. Um, but the house upstairs, my mom left me needed a renovation. Just to be clear, my grandma's house was never a bad place with any bad energy. On the contrary, it always attracted many positive feelings and memories to us all up to this day. Well, the renovation started, and the suite I was building was the head start. The bathroom with just a duct as a shower allowed me to bathe whenever I wanted. And besides that, everything was in place except for the floor and wall tiles. I was in the other room drawing and studying when I heard the shower go on. Naturally, I thought it was one of my aunts that passed by, and I didn't notice, or maybe, or maybe it was my own grandma. I shook the thought away and kept on my notebooks. But I felt it. The whole upstairs floor became darker and the footsteps leading to the door became clearer. Wasn't it like a monster or something? Can it shapeshift? Was my first thought. It could, apparently. It walked to my door but never entered, really. I could hear the sound its mouth made to widen and its smile and the faint laugh it gave. Oh, God. That's horrifying. I screamed my aunt's name and called her. She went up quickly and felt sick. Soon we cleansed the house with sage, incense, sticks, salt, and and holy water. It faded. I turned 20 last year, and obviously I had too much to bear in mind since college and work were being overwhelming. I just gathered a few friends over, my dad, my stepmom, brothers, aunts, and uncle. They all came. We had so much fun. After the adults left, we youngsters, and that's in quotes, (laughs) decided tarot and spirit calling would be a good inter- would be nice entertainment. I came, uh, I came with a friend upstairs to grab some crystals and some other stuff when we heard it. It wasn't only me that did, but my friend too. She froze in place and asked, is anyone behind us? I felt it too, I said. Let's go downstairs quick, I said, and we did. Once again, I saged the house before and after the rituals and tarot, and cleansed with sage, salt, and holy oil this time, and everything was okay. But recently it came back. I was sleeping, and this time it spoke to me. Mortem. Oh, boy. It screamed eerily in my ear. My dog was barking like crazy, and my boyfriend thought he'd heard, he'd seen something, seen and heard something moving out of me. When attention, when attention. What? When attention found me curled in the corner of the bedroom. And I guess it'll never leave. But I'll try my best. It won't hurt me or get anywhere near my house again. By the way, mortem means death in English and and Portuguese. Being a medium is no fun because if you look into the dark, it will look back at you. Well, that's my negative and recurrent experience of many. Wow. That just seems like a bunch of crazy just negative stuff. Nothing even positive coming around this situation. Yeah, and never actually getting to her. Always almost getting to her. Yeah, that's... I would always... The fact that she always has to live her life on edge and never knowing when something's actually going to attack her is just constantly threatening her is horrifying. Horrifying. All right. All right, what do you got? All right, uh, I'm just going to pick a random one here. Will do. I was pursued by a ghost in Oxford, Ohio in the 90s. Ooh. So, I should start... 
this by saying that I am a highly skeptical of any supernatural experiences that I might have or investigate, but this was something different. I still can't explain it, and it's been well over 20 years since it happened. When I was a teenager, I was very into going ghost hunting with my older brother and a small group of friends. We would take my mom's minivan, which we deemed the Gray Ghost, out on our <laughs> expeditions around the southern western edge of Ohio in search of places that were allegedly laden or laden with supernatural activity. For the most part, we would end up just driving around, scaring the shit out of ourselves with no real sightings or experiences ever occurring. We typically visited all the popular spots for ghost sightings that were written about in books and urban legends, but the outcome was always the same. Nothing supernatural until this one night. My brother attended Miami Oxford University in Ohio and because of it heard the story about the ghost biker who haunted Oxford Milford Road. Uh, paragraphs four to six taken from the Miami alum website verbatim. So uh, the website says, it is well known that a drive on the road surrounding Oxford can be dangerous. According to the one legend, dangerous curves, oncoming traffic, speeders, and drunken drivers may not be the only things waiting for you on your trip. The tale begins with a young Oxford man riding his motorcycle on Oxford Milford Road. The man was in a hurry. He was hoping to propose to his girlfriend who lived on Earhart Road. But fate intervened before a cyclist arrived at, arrived at his destination. Missing a sharp turn, the motorcycle flew off the road and cyclist was decapitated by a barbed wire fence. It is said that death did not deter our cyclist and that he is still today trying to reach his girlfriend's house to pop the question. In order to see him, you should drive to the girlfriend's old Earhart Road home, currently owned by Mr. Falk, the park facing south. If you flash your headlights three times, you may see the headlight of the ghost motorcycle focusing straight ahead, only to disappear as it approaches the fatal curve. If by chance the cycle light does not disappear, it is recommended that you drive quickly away in the opposite direction. Oh, boy. That's like what is said on the website itself. Okay. Flashback to this person's uh, experience. So here we are, my brother driving, my girlfriend at the time, and her two friends as well as a cousin. We all went out to this road late one night after hearing the story and tried it for ourselves. I should mention that the road is not a heavily traveled road. It has no line dividing it, and from my memory, was in disrepair. A cornfield runs along the left side of the house uh, of the road with a large ditch that divides it from the street. Never good when there's a cornfield. Never. <laughs> The few houses on the road are old farmhouses with, um, with den- denizens who are not keen to having kids run up and down the road chasing ghosts. There are only one or two street lights on the entire road and they are separated enough to offer no comfort from the dark. The road itself feels desolate and unnerving. At least it did in the 90s. We had driven a ways down the road slowly with feverish eyes gazing out of all windows trying to find anything that seemed out of place but the road was quiet. The field was still. We rounded a sharp curve that bends around to the farmhouse we were, pull, we were told to pull into. The legend was, we were going off of stated, that you pulled into this driveway, honked your horn, you'd see an apparition of a woman standing by the barn waiting for her husband's return. When we pulled into this spot, there was no discernible driveway, but only an old dilapidated barn that had fallen long into disrepair. After parking the car, we flashed our lights, honked the horn, but nothing ever appeared. We were mostly just freaking ourselves out with our own imaginations at this point, but my brother was beginning to capitalize on our collective cowardice with jokes and jump scares he would try to pull. After a few minutes, we decided to turn around and start to head back out. But as we made our way back, my brother wanted to stop the car in the middle of the road where the lights didn't reach in the, ba- in the dark. So he stopped the van, turned it off completely, and we sat there for a few minutes doing nothing. 
at this point genius idea right what could possibly go wrong right what could possibly <laughs> go wrong so at this point the van was full of our worried and excited voices i hate to admit that i was the only other man aside from my brother in the car but was also the one most vocal about being totally piss scared out of my mind <laughs> we were facing the main road the exit but still probably a mile or two back my brother flipped on the lights a couple times and then turned them off and we sat and we waited. What a stupid ritual to perform. In hindsight, I look back on all these little rules to make ghosts appear and roll my eyes. But maybe there is some mad science behind it. My memory still serves me well with this whole experience because it was so strange. So after he did the light ritual, we sat there a bit longer and nothing was happening. But my brother noticed something as he was looking back to talk to us in the back seat, and he pointed it out. A good ways away in the cornfield, we saw a small orange light, looking like a lantern. At first, we began to explain it away by saying it was probably a headlight from a neighboring street on the other side of the field. However, we were also seeing that the light was slowly floating through the field towards the road we were parked on. Again, oh we were God. thinking that maybe there was an access road we overlooked and that a car was merely coming this way, but this road had no access roads connecting it that far back. What concerned us more was that there was a deep ditch along the side of the road that de separated it from the cornfield. If it was a vehicle of any kind, the law of physics demand that the light would dip down and then up to cross up onto the road. But instead, the light seemingly floated across the ditch with no mind paid to the ditch. I think it took us some time to really grasp that a small orb or orange light just casually floated out of a cornfield and onto the, onto the road we were on before slowly growing larger. <laughs> We realized it was indeed a vehicle and that it was indeed a single headlight and our collective pants were shat. <laughs> oh, shit. My brother, fueled by our worried cries to get the fuck out of there, began to start the van, but the van wouldn't start. I wish I could say I was embellishing on the story with that flourish of detail, but it would be a lie. The fucking van would not start. I remember this well because my brother became upset at all of us yelling for him to go and told us all to shut the fuck up as he turned the key again. The van did finally start and my brother did finally gas it and we were off. The light was pretty close by the time we took off and I'll never forget how it bobbled like a bike's headlight does when it's on the road. But there was no sound, just a bobbling headlight coming up behind us i'll never forget how fast my heart was beating as that light regained ground on that old shitty van we all saw it and we were all screaming before you can exit to the main road which i think is state route 71 i think maybe wrong with the name you have to pass a four-way stop sign on the opposing side of us another car had entered the road my brother made no attempt to stop at that four-way and we just barreled <laughs> through it I can still remember overlooking at that car and seeing a kid probably around my age at the time with a white ball cap on gazing out of the window at our van as we flew by with a face of astonishment. The headlight behind us also flew through the stop and continued its pursuit. A few oh, moments later, the light simply faded away to nothing. You ever seen a light turn off and capture the light fading? Sounds weird, but like your eyes capture the second or two that the light bulb goes dark? That's what the light headlight looked like. It just faded out to nothing. The car, we flew, the car we flew past also had disappeared, though it could be explained by a left or right turn. Still, it shook me. After that, there was no light, no bike, no vehicle of any kind, just making us a terrified left back onto the main road and driving home. I was afraid that just seeing that meant that I left something that would haunt me forever. And 
in a way, I guess it kind of did, because even now at the age of 38, I remember that night like it was yesterday, and it still stands as the only real experience I've had in the supernatural. Wow, that was a good one. So creepy, right? It kind of reminds me of the tale of Clinton Road by us, where people say that there's a ghost car that tails you the whole time you're on that road, so... Mm-hmm. I love that. That was a good one. Thanks. Okay. This one is called My Childhood Home Was Haunted by Our Puppy. Oh, that's okay. I know. I just want to preface the story by saying, saying that our puppy died in a horrible way, at least in my opinion. It was an accident that my mom is still beating herself over to this day. Anyways, let's begin. This is going to be a long story. This happened over 19 years ago when I was just a baby. My brother was four at the time, and our older sister was six. My dad got us a Cocker Spaniel puppy because he thought it'd be nice for us, for us to grow up with a dog. Now, now I'm looking at it, this was a terrible idea because my mom was the only adult adult home when my dad went to work. So here she was with a year-old baby, a four-year-old, a six-year-old, and a puppy. Our puppy, Scrappy, yes, my parents named her after Scrappy, too, <laughs> was the sweetest girl ever. She was rowdy and loved playing outside. On this day, I was being particularly fussy, and my siblings were not exactly helping the situation. Scrappy started barking, as she always did when she wanted to be let outside. So my mom let her outside, not realizing this would be the fo- final moment we let her, we'd see her alive. Oh. After she let Scrappy outside, oh, my God, I'm, I'm going to skip this sad part okay, where they can't you. find the dog. Please do. We apparently don't care as much about the details, like like reading something about people dying, but as soon as it's an animal, we refuse to read it. I'm just, I'm going to cry. When I was in, when I was in fourth grade, my dog got hit by a car and we had to put her down. Oh my God. So traumatizing. Fuck no. (laughs) Yeah. So we're going to skip this part with the, It wasn't until I was seven that we got a new dog, Oliver. We loved him, and um, unlike Scrappy, he grew old with us. This time, my mom was fiercely protective and kept a close eye on him, and my dad tore down the retaining wall. Oliver saw me through elementary school, middle school, and even my high school graduation. Okay, that's happy. I like this. We're modifying stories today, guys. (laughs) For your own sanity and ours. Yeah, my family strongly believed that Scrappy didn't move on to the other side things happened that didn't make sense the first instance that i can remember is when my mom's friend came over and they were chatting at the dinner table her friend felt a dog brush up against her legs underneath the table so she stuck her hand down to pat oliver our dog wasn't there it startled her and she asked my mom where oliver was my mom told her that oliver was with my dad napping in their bedroom the next incident happened with my dad oliver had the bad habit of getting overexcited when my dad got home from work Oliver would scratch at the door while my dad took off his shoes. We had a no shoes allowed rule in the house. He could hear him. Uh, On one particular day, my dad hears Oliver scratching at the door, but this time it sounds more excited than usual, almost frantic. So he swings the door open, expecting to see our dog bouncing out, but he doesn't. At first, he thinks that Oliver ran away quickly from the door, but when he walks into the house, there's no Oliver jumping on him. He asks my mom, who was in the kitchen, where Oliver is, and she replied that he is at home. He's at the park with my brother. Ghost puppy. <laughs> I also think I've had an experience with Scrappy when I was 12. Back then, I used to leave the door open so Oliver could hop into my bed if he wanted to in the middle of the night. He did that when my mom kicked him out of her bed for the night. 
So during the middle of the night, I hear him coming down the hallway, his nails on the wood floor. I, and I feel the shift on my bed when he jumped on it. He did that dog thing of going around in circles before lying down. At this point, I stick my head down, my, I stick my hand down to pet him, but he isn't in his usual spot in my bed. So I wave it around down there and I don't feel him anymore. I admittedly freak out and turn on the light by my bed. Oliver is not there. There are more occurrences, in fact, too many to list here, but I firmly believe Scrappy was still there. When I was younger, this comforted me as I felt like she too had seen me through childhood. Maybe mm -hmm. not physically, but she was there. We moved houses in the spring of my senior year of high school. The person who moved into our house became friends with my mom, and she said that she hadn't experienced anything strange. So I believe after we left, Scrappy finally moved on. I know she's in a happier place now. Shortly after we moved, Oliver died of a heart attack-related issue. Unlike Scrappy, he didn't stick around. My mom cried for days. She was crying and asking for Oliver to come back to haunt us like Scrappy had done. <laughs> but he didn't. I think it was because he had a long and happy life while Scrappy had her life cut short. The end. Oh my god. That's so sweet and sad and so many mix of emotions. I know, and it's funny because I think it was yesterday I said we have we've heard a lot of ghost cat stories, but not any ghost yes, dog stories. This is well perfect. here we are with a ghost dog story. Oh god. Pulls at the heartstrings. It really right. does. So my next story is we'll do uh, YOLO, we'll do this one. Missing 411. Was I a near miss New Hampshire? Okay, so mid January 1991, the White Mountains, New Hampshire. It's neither the most remarkable thing that has ever happened to me nor the earliest, but it is a watershed event where one wherein I'm no longer a child confused by the experiences I was encountering, but an adult aware that something strange was occurring about me, something I did not understand, which seemed to be intentionally, elusively remaining just outside my senses. So, my old roommates from Boston College got together to go skiing. One of us, Johnny, who would in time become a distinguished New England surgeon, came from a well-to-do family. His grandfather had been a part of the Civilian Conservation Corps and a member of the road-building team that put the first roads across some of the mountains in the White Mountain Range. After he'd made a name for himself, he returned to the prettiest area he had worked and bought land. A lot of land. Pretty much one side of a mountain, so Johnny explained. Date Johnny. Jeez, he's got money. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, in the middle of this parcel, along a mountain creek, he built, literally, a hunting lodge. This was the boy's place. Could sleep, ate, and no running, no running anything. You came, you hunted, you ate, you hung out with the men... Beds were wood slack, uh, bleh, I can't even talk. Beds were wood slate bunks with raw foam, plenty of blankets, kerosene lamps, outhouse, and frigid water came from the creek. Oh I'm wow! So I mean, it seems like just like the man cave. Yeah. Of, of hunting the man caveiest of man caves. Yeah. I am a city kid, Chicago. I know nothing of this life, and I've never experienced anything like it. I don't like trees without a ring of concrete around them or any place I can't see for blocks with streetlights. I, mm. imagine, I imagine New England would be jam-packed with people. It ain't. Surprise. New Hampshire, as small as it is, is a rugged, empty wilderness. We drove up from Boston and kept going onto narrower and narrower roads until we were driving through what really is a treacherous cave of snow-laden trees, steep embankment, jagged road made of tire ruts that kept getting steeper and going up and up three vehicles 
one Chevy Cavalier, a, min a Ford minivan, and a Ford rental Explorer. The Cavalier got stuck, and we pushed it to the side. The minivan and Explorer were kept going. It seems like we were climbing up nature's backside. It was unnerving to me. When I thought we just couldn't go any further, the ruts jinked, went into a small hollow, and climbed yet again. Eventually, we came to a post in the road, and the road... The, the right the road veered off crossing a small hand made bridge over a creek. There across a small field stood a solitary unlit snow buried well wood plank hut. Lodge being far too romantic and impressive to describe what this was. No artistry, no architecture. Utilitarian. Four walls, windows, door, and a roof. The explorer made the bridge. The minivan did not. It slid to the right into the middle of the crossing, dropping its right tire over the side, terrifyingly lifting oh, its rear God. left wheel into the air, or just about. We thought it was going over, but instead it stops completely blocking the bridge. I feel like this is just a sign saying, turn the fuck around. We should not be <laughs> here. We were screwed. The Explorer could not get back across the narrow bridge, and the minivan was damn well stuck. We got out and proceeded to spend the next 10 minutes giving an outstanding demonstration of a bunch of morons that have their heads completely up their rear ends and being clueless of what was going on and how to fix a messed up situation <laughs> like this. At that moment, when we probably would have done something really dumb, the only vehicle I saw on that road in three days came up around the bend, an old beat-up Ford pickup with dualies. The two men in the pickup stopped, got out, and asked us calmly if we needed help. They were just guys, blue jeans, boots, uh, caps, flannel, but they were real emotionless. We all tried to get them to laugh or whatever, but nothing. Flat. They efficiently they efficiently hitched their pickup to the minivan's rear frame and pulled it back onto the bridge. Wisely, we left it parked on the roadside, not risking blocking the bridge again. We offered the guys money or beer or whatever. They flatly refused it all, got in without saying much of anything, not, not even so much as a bye, and continued on. Odd. They made you feel odd. We opened up the hunting lodge, got a small fire going, lit the kerosene lamps, opened the doors a bit to the to get the mouse smell out, kept it going, uh, got some food going, put the beers in the snow, settled down, and started clowning around and playing games like, well, you know, you do. It was fine. Bit of a trip getting up here, odd experience getting in, but tomorrow we'd be up early and get out and be on the slopes. Good time, nonetheless. About 11 p.m., we called it quits. There were two bunk rooms off the main room, each with four bunks, two along each wall. At the feet of each bunk, a small wall with a window. Not comfortable, but not impossible either. You know, soon I was asleep, until I wasn't anymore. 2.55 a.m., <laughs> I checked my watch. I don't know what I'm hearing, but I heard something that woke me up. Around me in the darkness, I can hear guys sleeping, some breathing a bit heavy, some, some snoring. I strained my ears, listening intently. I don't need to. There. Tap, 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 tap. Five very precise oh, mechanical shit. knocks, evenly spaced like they were knocked out by a metronome. I think knife tip or maybe a nickel coin hitting a glass pane. Very precise, very intentional sounding. I don't move and breathe shallowly, focusing on my hearing. Again, tap, 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 tap. Clear as a damn bell. There's nothing that I saw inside this bare-bones lodge that would, could, or should make that sound. No electronics, no clocks, nothing. Just table, chairs, lockers, blankets, and beds. Someone is dicking with us. Maybe those guys in the pickup? Messing around for fun? Shit. I swing my feet down, gently, quietly lowering myself to the floor. You heard that too, asked Ted, who was in the bunk right below mine? Yeah, any idea what it is? No, but I don't like it. Any idea, <laughs> any idea which where it came from? 
Ted didn't get an answer. I didn't get a chance to answer because tap, 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 tap. Shit. Looked out the window. There's nothing there but the back of the field dimly lit by the moon. Trees everywhere, but none near the cabin. I padded my socks out the room and into the other bunk room. Three guys in their bunks. If they're faking it, they're doing a good job. Tap, 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 tap. Now there are three of us awake. So I wake up Johnny, who is not pleased about it. Jesus, what do you want? <laughs> what have you gotten here that makes a knocking noise, like something knocking on a window? Huh? Nothing. Forget it. Just go to bed. I look out the window of their room. Nothing. I swing my flashlight around the main room and look at all the windows around the dining room. Nothing. All empty, slightly condensed. Tap, 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 tap. Now Johnny is standing beside me. I heard that. I don't know. I've never heard that before. And you've been up here before, right? Yeah, lots. Any firearms? No, not unless we bring them and got skis instead. I grab my boots. What are you doing? Going outside to look around. Bitch. What? Why? Don't. There's no need. Exactly, Johnny. But I won't be put off. I'm not going to spend the rest of the night waiting for someone or something to keep knocking on the glass somehow and keep me awake. It totally could have a perfectly good explanation, but I'm going to find out what's causing it. I pull into the, my pack and pull out my dad's Marine K-Bar, better known than nothing, oh, better something than nothing, pull on my jacket and pull and push, punch through the door out into the snow. It's quiet, super quiet, nothing. No wind, nothing. Dead silent. I know it's midwinter up a mountain and that means quiet, but damn, it was unnervingly quiet. As I step in the snow, I wish I could make my footsteps quieter. I scan the tree line, path to main road, the area around the Explorer parked by the bridge, nothing. I look for footprints. Only our tracks coming from the Explorer to the cabin are there. I look up on the roof. I look for anything melting, nothing, and it's too damn cold to melt. I clear the front of the cabin and start moving along the side, the side towards the back, towards the area that you see when you look out the bunk rooms, and I stop. I can't force myself to go another step and clear the back wall of the cabin. I can see most of the area, and there's nothing. No tracks around the cabin or across the field. But for the life of me, I cannot force myself to take the next four or five steps that will allow me to see the entire back wall of the cabin. And then I realize I am fucking terrified. My heart is absolutely <laughs> pounding, and I can hear blood pressure in my ears. It's just a few steps. There's nothing out there. We are literally deserted on a mountainside, and I'm too petrified to move. I feel as though there's something there, though, close by, and that I can't see it, even though the corner of the cabin is still in the way. I push myself. I really try, but something inside me, and I've never experienced a panic attack, is panicking right now, full-blown. Maybe you should listen to yourself and get the fuck back inside. Just saying. <laughs> but I don't turn back. Instead, inexplicably... Walk backwards, keeping the light forward and retracing my steps to the front of the cabin. I turn around, hustle back to the front door, and they are all up now. Well, Johnny asks, there's nothing. Thought I heard something knocking on the window, but there's nothing. No tracks, nothing to see. Yeah, just what I thought. I'm going back to sleep. I don't tell anyone what I felt or that my heart is still beating as a good clip, at a good clip and that I am relieved to be back inside. I go back to my bunk, this time with my flashlight and my dad's K-bar with me. I look out the small window, and in the dull moon glow, I fully expect to see a shadow. But I don't. I do fall asleep. The next few nights, nothing. Dead silence. To this day, I think I felt something I could not see. Yeah, maybe just imagination and all, but I'm not the jumpy type, and I've not had anything happen before. More to the point, later in life, I would have a similar feeling of dread, panic, and anxiety, and would go looking again, like I did that night, 
the next time it happened 20 years on, I would see something and I would encounter something. Completely different setting, very much the same feelings. I don't know. It's the feelings or emotion that are there in a weird combination of fear, anxiety, and determination to find something that is causing you to feel that way. Anyone have something like this or is it just me or am I wired weird? My memory is like a video. All these years on, I can still hear, see, feel the guys around me, hear that precise mechanical message like tapping, knowing it was something, something not wanting us to be there. Me standing frozen stiff in a fear in the cold, unable to will my knee to bend to take a few steps more behind the cabin, caving to a flood of relief as I headed away back to the safety of the cabin. Very odd. Wow. I'm so curious as if he were to turn around what he would have saw, if he would have taken those few steps. But, I mean, I think that that's just your your intuition telling you to turn back around that you don't want to see what's behind there. Yeah, trust your gut. I think it was his body protecting him. Yeah, I think that I think that there was a first warning when like their car almost went over the bridge that they shouldn't have yeah. been there. Clearly, the spirit guides or whatever, they weren't able to get the message clear enough to these men. So they're like, "All right, we've got to somehow instill some sort of fear in them to know that they should <laughs> not be here." And I don't know. I think I think that's very or they shouldn't look past where they can't see cuz something yeah. is there that we don't want them being affected by. So I don't know. I just thought that was a really interesting story because it really, like, it digs more into what's in your mind and how we need to listen to our instincts and we need to listen to our bodies and we need to realize what's normal for us and what's not normal for us and just realize that there are some things that we can't see that are around us but affect our our internal emotions. So Absolutely. That's my story. Nice. Okay. This one is called... I saw my cat after she died when I was a child. So we have another ghost cat. Oh, my God, Lily. You are the bearer of bad news. (laughs) I'm sorry. So it says, this is my first post here. I figured I would tell something that happened to me when I was younger. I had a cat when I was a kid. Her name was Misty. I got her when I was around toddler age. I loved her so much. We had a strong bond. She loved to be outside. She always stayed in the yard or on the porch. When I was around eight, she passed away, and I was heartbroken. We found out early in the morning, and I cried for hours. Well, what happened that night, I still remember to this day because it creeped me out so bad. My cousin came over that night for a sleepover to help cheer me up. Well, there was a porch railing that was right next to my front door that Misty would always sit on and look in through the door, the screen door. That night, I went to the living room and saw Misty looking looking through the door at me clear as day. I instantly started crying and got scared. I tried to go... Somewhere else in the house, close my eyes, but every time I passed that door, she would be there. Oh, nobody else has seen her, not my cousin or my parents. Um, I told my mom and dad, and my dad said it was just memories. I was seeing memories and not really her. I'm not sure if it was really her or just memories from a deep emotional pain in my mind. I just thought I would share. Oh, I definitely think that that was the cat just saying, you know saying its last goodbyes and letting her know that she's there in spirit. Yeah. Rest in peace, Misty. Misty. All right, back to you, Rebecca. All right, this one is Haunted Office in Historic Savannah. Oh, boy. All right. Savannah's got some good history. They really do. Well, I mean, not good history, but like... Oh, yeah, yeah, we should be clear. (laughs) Haunted experience, Yeah. yeah. 
Well, it's, I always feel like it's like, yeah, it's, I feel like it's always those southern states that always have like the creepy, historical, weird yeah. experiences. All right. Uh, 42-year-old male here, just in case that matters. I was born, raised, and still live in Savannah, Georgia. I've always believed in ghosts. As a kid, my aunt lived in a very haunted house, and she and my mom had lived in haunted places before them. My aunt's house was historic, gorgeous, and my mom had, and siblings and I all hated it. Point is that I grew up with a close family telling me stories about their old houses. Okay, so I will try to keep this brief. You good over there? I'm, like, trying to, like, rest my phone on my... Can you hear it? Yeah. It's okay, so loud. Oh, my God. Woo. Okay. In 2011, I took a job at a haunted row house on Mary Marshall Row. You may have heard of the Haunted Marshall House Hotel. I, go, I got to go in the basement one night. Well, this is the same Mary Marshall. It is diagonally across from Colonel Cemetery, which, is, which has a mass grave for yellow fever victims as well as broken tombstones at, just leaning against the gates. From the first day, I was horribly depressed. I have depression, but I, but I felt crippled. I also had the urge to jump off the back balcony repeatedly, as crazy as that sounds. Our office oh manager, yeah, our office manager told me she felt so bad there that she said protection prayers on her way to work daily. Plus, she had cabinet doors in the supply area scare her badly numerous times. She would close all the doors, walk out of the room, and return to find those doors open. The house had four levels. Basement, main, had a walk upstairs to access, second and third. My tiny office was on the second, right by the stairs. Up until this time, aside from gut feelings, I never seen anything but once. One, I was returning from my lunch break, entering the main floor from the back door. Got in and reached the mini fridge on the floor to get a drink. I needed to go to the bathroom, but out of the corner of my eye, I saw someone I thought was a man go into the bathroom and close the door. I figured I'd wait and talk to our office manager, and after five minutes, she asked if I was waiting for something. I said, I need to run in the bathroom, and she said, well, nobody's in there. <laughs> Two, I was smoking a cigarette on the back balcony of my floor, and through the glass door, I saw the back of a man walking down the hall into my office. I saw pants, shirt, and, a dark and dark hair. While it looked taller than my boss, I rushed back in thinking he was looking for me. Walked down the hall. My tiny office was in the middle at the far end of the hall against the front of the house. Looked in expecting to see my boss and saw no one. I turned and went into his office to see if he was looking for me. He had his feet on his desk and said he hadn't moved in 30 minutes because he was eating his lunch. Three, <laughs> our runner was picking up everyone's mail and was in front of my office about to step onto the stairs to go up to level three. She was talking to a coworker also standing in the hall. All of a sudden she screamed and all three of us watched a black shadow float down the stairs towards us against the wall and then disappear. I hated the job. Hated. I was there eight months. This all happened in that t span of time and all in the middle of the day. I have a cool story about my current office in the historic district, and my mother's best friend lives in a very haunted place, but I'll save those for another time. Oh, wow. It, I, you know what? Like, I don't, I'm not too familiar with Mary Marshall. I'm not in Mary Marshall Row, so it would be interesting to kind of look into the history of that and see maybe what would be the, the catalyst or the reason behind these hauntings in this house, but I thought yeah, it was an like interesting history, story. Was there anything about the history of the building? Not, not, I mean, I, just from the story is pretty much all, all this person explained. Um, 
But I'm assuming if you go Google Mary Marshall Row, there has to be some stuff on there. Yeah, there, there should be. So if you guys are interested, definitely uh, Google Mary Marshall Row and let us know what you find. Let us know by emailing us at justgoodythingspodcast@gmail.com. Yes, sir. <laughs> okay, is this my last one? Um, I think we have two more. Let me see. Yeah, I have two more. Okay. This one is called, My Child Sees Me By Her Door, But I'm In My Bed On The Other Side Of The House. So my 12-year-old has had this happen twice. The first time, she said it didn't really scare her. She was tired and thought it was weird. She said she just rolled over in her bed and fell asleep. She asked me the next morning what I was doing at her door the previous night. It freaked me out. Here's what she said. She told me that she had seen me crawling on my hands and knees toward her bedroom door. And when I got to her door, I stopped and lifted my head and just smiled at her. She said I stayed like that. She said I just stayed like that. And she was tired, so she flipped over in her bed and went to sleep. The second time it happened was just the other night. This time she said her bedroom door was closed and she was in her walk-in closet and heard it, the door open. She looked out toward the door and had seen me standing there just staring at her. She said it freaked... I actually feel nauseous reading this. I'm so stupid. <laughs> she said it freaked her out because my eyes were open really big. She also said I would not respond to her and she came out of her closet to see what was wrong with me when I... And I to see what was wrong with me, and I disappeared. She ran into my bedroom and saw I was in bed covered up, almost asleep. She kept asking me why I was staring at her, and kept try and I kept trying to tell her I've been in bed. Her older sister was laying in bed too, watching a show. She told her that she, that I had been asleep. She told her that I had been asleep and in bed. She was so torn up about it. Uh, that she has been sleeping in her older sister's bed. I have to admit, it freaks me out, too. Has anybody heard anything or experienced anything like this? We do not have any odd or spooky things happening in our house. It's a cough house, and we are a pretty happy family. She doesn't like ghosts or scary movies or shows, so she doesn't watch them. She's not trying to make things up. She's not the type to make things up. Anyone? That's it. Hmm. What do you think? I think there's a shapeshifter. I feel like so many of our stories that we've been talking about are shapeshifters, shadow people. Like, I feel like it's just such a common experience. It really must be. I wonder if I've ever seen a shapeshifter but not known it. Right? Like, how would you know? You wouldn't. Oh, my God. Now I'm all paranoid that everyone I know is secretly a shapeshifter <laughs> playing a trick on me. <sighs> now I have a whole complex. You are never the same. Lily oh is God. officially woke. I'm so woke right now. All right, Lil. Um, my next story is titled, Back When I Was a Security Guard. So about 15 years ago, I was living in the high desert of Los Angeles County, going to a college full-time and working two jobs. One job was working security at night for a church with a large campus with a private school on the property. Their property had entrances on the west and north sides. At night, we would close the gate on the north side and post a guy in a car to deter break-ins and direct any traffic to the main entrance. On the north side of the property, there were module trailer buildings that were bought secondhand and used as classroom space. One of these buildings was the trouble source. Whenever I was stationed at the back entrance, I would get the strong feeling that I was being watched. I'm talking hair standing on end, goosebumps, and paranoia. I was being watched, and I was, n and it was not welcoming. 
I wasn't their only one who experienced these feelings, though. It was most the crew. Eventually, we got scientific about it. Whenever there was a new guy, we'd stick him back there for, the, for his first night and not say anything. <laughs> I love this. Um, a few hours later, we'd roll by to check on him, and the new guy would be getting really jumpy or would just have to move the car out of the line of sight of the building. Part of the job was making sure the doors of all the buildings were locked, and if they weren't, we'd have to check the building and make sure nobody was squatting. This particular building would have lights come on, flicker in the middle of the night, chairs and desks would be moderately moved around in classrooms, just like crooked desks, chairs pulled out, that kind of thing. One night when I was back there, the building had been locked, but I checked it later and it was unlocked. Great. Now I've got to go in. By now, my skin is crawling, and I can tell whatever was in there was pissed. I radioed in a second guy, and we went inside. Upon entering the building, we quickly swept through with flashlights and cleared all the rooms. Didn't see a thing. We make, or wa- we make our way back to the front door. As we're standing by the entrance, there is a noticeable loud creak line. Somebody took a step. Room is empty. Then, a sound I can only describe as a blowing air or wind quickly moved above the ceiling tiles from that classroom towards us. When it got right above us, it stopped dead silent. This wasn't the AC system. The duct system wasn't in that part of the ceiling, and it was shut off. We never ran so fast. I'm not necessarily saying this is a ghost or a spirit or whatever. All I know is something was in that building, and it felt evil. Yikes. I just think that that, again, is one of those situations where... You just have to follow your instincts. And, like, if something's yeah. telling you something, I think you should follow that. Like, this person is experiencing something that felt evil. Yeah. I think you should listen to that and be like, all right, I'm getting the hell out of here, and I'm not doing some investigating at all. Yeah, definitely trust your instincts, because you don't want to end up like that first person in the horror movie who always doesn't trust their instincts and then ends up dead. Mm-hmm, yep. So that is my story. All right. All right, so this is my last one, and it's kind of a longer one because there's, like, four sub-stories in it. Okay. It's uh, what it feels like being a spiritual medium, my own experiences. So, hey, guys, it's my very first post here, and I thought it'd be nice to share what it feels like to connect with the living and the dead. As a matter of fact, I'm from Brazil, and it's a very religious country, so I grew up Catholic, respecting and helping older people and others, helping with the chores and so on. So story one. My aunt used to tell me this story that once my mom that once my mom and her were dressing me up to drop me at my dad's job because they were doing a funeral. I was as I was too young, the older people refused to talk or even mention the event near me, yet I was still being dressed. I turned to my aunt and said, Tell Jorge I said hello. He knows he'll be missed. Jorge was the deceased who'd suffer a car crash. Oh I my guess. god. Yeah. I was too young to remember, but that's when they knew. Imagine a little girl just in, like, a nice, cute little dress turning over to you and being like, Tell Jorge I said hello. Horrifying. All right. What? Story two. The second point leads me to family reunions. It wasn't uncommon in a household of eight at the time. All my aunts and uncles, including my parents themselves, lived with my grandparents. And as a child, I remember it feeling great. I remember it felt great being pampered, LOL. But, but... One night, things got creepy. We were all watching movies, eating, drinking, having fun. It was just your regular comedy movie when I saw someone passing by. I was older now, and I can remember clear as day. Uh, There was a tall man, 
dressed in all white. Ooh, a man in white this time. There was a tall man dressed in all white, white tinted face, deep eyes, and a sewn up mouth. Nope. Oh my God. It's like what I saw. It looked like stitches at first, but then I noticed it was something like vine. I don't know. Weirded out by that thing, I obviously asked my grandma, Nana, who was that man with the sewn mouth? Everyone froze in their place in their places, scanning their eyes to find who I've been talking about. No one. One of my aunts even ventured herself to the to light the porch lights, but since the lamppost in the street lit the outside, it was clear enough to see. My uncle made a joke about Hello Kitty's dad, a topic a topic that was on at the time, and we brushed it off. And my mother started to notice a pattern. I was indeed gifted. Story three. Anyway, years passed. I grew up and the stories continued. And once more, I was marked. When I was six or seven-ish, my aunt started to go to spiritualist church. We called them Mesa Espirita, which is a place where mediums gathered and spread the good spirits, word of comfort, life advices, and so on. Well, there's a ceasing ceremony in different words, kids and adults, in different wards, sorry, kids and adults. I was in line near, near coming, nearly coming inside the room where I was about to be cleansed and energized with a tall man, when a tall man substitutes the woman who'd left for her bathroom break. He was blonde, had green eyes and freckles, and had this weirdly amazing vibe. (laughs) He then proceeded to let a couple of people in and spotted me. He clearly knew that me and my aunt, he clearly knew me and my aunt, but we did not know him. So he called my name, and I obviously gripped my aunt's hand tighter. She allowed me to talk to the man, and he said, won't you give me a hug, Maria? I did, but he insisted, and I quote, how I but he insisted that it wasn't, and I quote, how I hugged him. I hugged him, Maria style. He, th- <laughs> he thanked me and let me and my aunt in. When we got out of the session, we came looking for the so kind man to thank him and give him a hug goodbye. He was nowhere to be seen, nowhere to be found, and allegedly no one behind me in the line saw him. The two people in front of me were long gone, and the lady who had left for her bathroom break, who was in charge of the line, affirmed many times she had left no one to continue the line and was as shocked as we were, especially because the line shortened while she was gone. Up to this day, my aunt swears I was blessed by her long-dead brother, Marcello, who was disguised as an angel to greet me. He died five years before I was born. Story four, the last story. The last one of this thread so far is regarding my mother's death. Cancer was a bitch. My mom struggled for nine years like the strong woman she was against it. But unfortunately, due to medical mistakes, she died when I was eight. For three months after her death, the child who who usually never shut up shushed. I spent three three months without saying a word to my dad. Worried, he took me to different doctors, psychologists, and everyone who thought it would help. She died February 9th at 10.32, and on May 9th, 10.32, Mother's Day that year, I woke up at my stepmother's house in the small mattress she had placed for me in the living room. I looked over and explained a dream that I had and left to sleep. Basically, hours later, my dad woke me up in tears, hugging me and giving me lots of gifts for no reason. I didn't remember what I did or said, but seeing their weird behavior of gifting me and treating me like a queen, I asked what was up. 
That afternoon, my stepmother explained I was a, I approached her with a tulip, my mom's favorite flower that wasn't found near the house anywhere, and explained I saw my mom in the stretcher she died in, and Angel took her away, and she hugged me goodbye. The thing I do remember up to this day is the feeling of that sad yet relieved hug my mom gave me and many others that I dreamt about. That After that, I decided to use my gift for good and enlighten myself so I could give comfort to people who were really in need. There are many more and even creepier chilling, chilling stories uh, like these that I'll be posting later too, maybe. Hope you have some like mine too. Wow. It's yeah. insane how many experiences this, this girl has had over the years. Yeah. Of, I mean, I think that she's definitely a sensitive or an empath or something like that because... I think she definitely has a gift. I mean, being so young and being able to say, you know, oh, tell, you know, the guy who's dead that he'll be missed. Like, hello. Yeah. And then, you know, and then what, what are the odds that she wakes up around the time that her mom had passed away? Yeah, on Mother's Day mm -hmm. after having the dream and going to her stepmother with the flower. I mean... Insane. Yeah, there's something there. Yeah, for sure. And that just, like, validates to all of us that, you know, our loved ones are still amongst us and are still giving us signs, even if we're not looking for them. So, yeah, it's nice. Okay, my last story is titled, Please Help, I'm Legit Scared. So, there's an image that was attached to the story that when we get to it, I'll send to you, Lily, so you could see it. Okay. But... I'll just start reading the story. Hello. Some stuff has just happened last night that hasn't happened to me since I was little. To understand this new stuff, I'll explain the old stuff. P.S. Both my parents are pretty open-minded to this stuff, so not too much scares them. As a child, I would see the deceased often. I didn't realize they were deceased until much later in life when my mother would tell me stories of it, and I'd realize all these family members and guests in our house that I saw were only visible to me. As I aged, oh, wow. yeah, as I aged, the clarity got fuzzier and I gained some self-awareness, ages three plus. I became more terrified of these happenings. Whispers while I was sleeping, being poked and pushed at night, shadow figures opening my door or coming into my room, yelling in my ear, etc., etc. Used to wake up to them and hide in the corner of my room and guess I'd make sure I was awake. I'd pinch and bite my arm, pull my hair, etc., double, triple, blank, and move around. Animals who were normally fine would go feral when they got near my room, hide and whiz and puff up in fear. They would get protective of me if they were brave. My dad and I lived in an apartment where things were the worst. I had one experience when I was five where I was playing hide-and-seek, and I went to hide in their closet, which normally you could open and see the back of. I'd say, like, two feet deep, maybe. But when I went to hide, I walked for the full count of 60 seconds into the closet and still hadn't hit the back wall. What? I could hear my dad and his girlfriend at the time distantly looking for a while, even heard them open the closet, but I never saw the light from them opening the closet door oh, or saw them when, I, when they had walked in. I heard them say they looked all through the closet. They'd given up looking for me, and I ran out all proud. I had no concept of what I'd just done or how, where I was, how that was possible. One evening when I was about six or seven, the final experience as a child happened. I had awoken out to my usual horror of seeing the shadow figure opening my door and walking to me. Hearing it whispering and yelling, my dad rushes in. It's gone. I go to sleep in his room. This was normal at this point, so nothing special. We sleep. I wake up to see a rainbow of colored circles, like those old disco balls that had the lights in it. 
It's spin, <laughs> etc., and make little circles of different colors. It was that, but we didn't own one. There was no light source. Just on the walls, there were those colored circles dancing around. It wasn't anything passing because it lasted three counts of 60. This is how I tell time. We'll be relevant soon. I look at the clock, and it was 3.15. I went to sleep again because I got scared. Woke up again. Looked near the window and saw a baby sitting on top of my dad's bookshelf. It was like a white-green glow. Like those stereotypical ghost colors, but like pastel, I guess. Just trying to be descriptive and completely naked. Not see-through. It was solid. Just looking out the window. I bit my arm. Still there. I pinched myself. Still there. I dug nails into my legs. Still there. And now I'm bleeding. (laughs) What a mess. I'm remaining silent, though, because I'm scared of what it'll be if it turned around. Oh, my God. I tried to wake my dad. Poke. Nothing. Shake him. Nothing. I whispered very quietly, Daddy, please, please wake up. Nothing. This is how I noticed the clock. 3.15 still. So... As I'm continuing to try to wake my dad up, I'm counting in a whisper. One, two, three. I counted 64 times. Four minutes. I look. Still 315. I counted to 60 even slower. Still 315. I looked and the baby was still there looking out the window. I had it repositioned. It had repositioned its body to be comfortable, I'm guessing, but still looking out the window. I give up and I'm too scared. Something in me realized, if I got up to talk to this thing, I'd be seeing things for the rest of my life. If I went back to sleep, I'd never have an issue again. So I got brave. I lay down, covered my head with a pillow, and buried into my dad's back. I feel like I saw the lights again, but I didn't look again until I felt my dad wake up. I uncovered and removed the pillow. Bright daylight. It was 7 a.m., and I looked on top of the bookshelf. No baby. No doll that could have been a baby. No nothing. Not even boxes or anything on top. No disco ball. No lights that could have made the colored circles. Nothing. After that night, I haven't felt or heard or seen anything. Until, of course, today. Last night? Whatever. It technically started before we went to bed last night. The power in our house flickered on and off three times. Then rapidly flickered for a few minutes. There was right before we went to bed anyway, so we just gave up and shut everything off but our room fan. I had just laid down and I was mourning my grandfather. He passed away four years ago, but every now and then it hits me. And my boyfriend, who I live with and is also pretty open-minded, said death is relative and I should send him a hug. Now, my mother has taught me never communicate with the deceased before you don't know what else is listening. She didn't know what I'd grown up with past the age of three. Divorced and I went with my dad, so she didn't understand I already knew that. So my boyfriend's suggestion made me nervous, and I told him I shouldn't. I've told him I passed with this stuff, but I get so sad and try to sleep. I end up having a memory of his passing, but in third person. And I see my grandfather sitting with me in memory. I hear him saying goodbye. I wake up in tears and go to wake up the boyfriend when I see the corner of the room near our door. It's extra dark. Like, everywhere else I can fairly see clearly. We're in the city, and it's never fully dark. And there was also a small blue light from our fan. So the spot should have been illuminated. So I sat and waited and see. It continued to get darker, but in that focused area. I kept blinking and moving slightly to make sure it wasn't my eyes. I waited for a car. Car passed, and I watched as the light from the window went across the room until it hit that corner. When it hit that corner, the dark swallowed it and came out the other side, like the corner refused to be lit. 
I tried to think nothing of it, but over the course of the night, I'd kept checking. It remained there. At one point, I saw two or three specks of light moving among it, same color as the baby from my childhood. Finally, morning hits. We wake up at 4.20 a.m., and my boyfriend is a 911 operator. I go downstairs to get his vitamins ready and refill his water jug for work. He gets... He gets in the shower upstairs. I come up and start turning everything on from the night before when my boyfriend comes in from his shower and says, did you do this? And pointed up. I thought he meant the light, so I said, yeah, I turned the power strip on. He says, no, this wet handprint. Now, my boyfriend fucks with me constantly, so I didn't take him seriously and said, no, you did that to scare me now. Come on, get ready. He said, all right, (laughs) but you about, he says, all right, but you about to be the one of them girls from a horror movie because I did not do this. I don't fuck with that shit. <laughs> At that point, I was like, I still think he's fucking with me, but I'll come see. Sure enough, there was a dark hand mark. I'll try to figure out how to post a pic, which she did. And it was like fingers dragging down towards the light switch to our room, which is in the corner of the, where the dark thing was. So now I'm worried because he looks shook. We continue to get ready, and then he says, there's another one, right by the window next to my side near the ceiling. It's another handprint, like fingers being jaggedly dragged towards where I slept. Now I'm hella freaked, making him swear he didn't do it. Tried to make him recreate it. He's 400 pounds and six foot one. His fingers are not tiny. When he tried to recreate it, it was way too big and also made no mark. These marks were like greasy. He touched one, and it left like a weird-smelling oil on his fingers. At this point, I was making connections and said, this is why I didn't want to try to say anything to my grandfather. You never know what's listening. And he started getting worried and saying stuff like, well, it's nothing. Well, nothing is welcome in this room or this house, etc., trying to ward it off, I guess. Then he saw another mark in the corner that I saw, and I said, it makes sense the marks are there. That's where I saw the shadow. And he looks at me dead serious and hella scared and says, what? I tell him what I saw and he says he kept looking at that corner too in the night but didn't see any darkness. He said it was lit up by the light but he kept looking like he felt something was making him nervous or something. So we took pictures of the marks and now Jess is at work and I'm typing this. Any input would be nice. So let me send you the picture real quick. And... I will post this to Just Goy Things today as well. Um, but pretty much, it's a, it's a green wall. And you can see, it looks like four very thin fingers going down the wall. And it looks wet. Like, it looks like someone just got out of a shower and was just, like, wiping their hand or something. Okay. So you should be getting it soon. Here um, it is. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, I can kind of see that's spooky kooky ooky. And apparently when they touched it, it was like greasy and it smelled oily, so clearly it wouldn't be their hands. So what was it, you know? What does it mean? I personally think it's something negative because... I think so too. I don't know. And, and then the I think the creepiest experience from this encounter was the fact that the girl felt... I mean, the girl went into the closet, and then it's only, like, a two-foot deep closet, but she kept going for, like, 60 seconds, 60 seconds. <laughs> and the parents, like, or the, the dad and the stepmom, whatever, opened the door, didn't see anything, walked yeah, in, didn't see her, like, should have visibly saw her. She sort of saw the light coming from opening the closet, so just a creepy encounter all around. So, uh, yeah. 
We'll post this on our Instagram at Just Ghouly Things Podcast. And uh, let us know what you think. So um, that concludes Just Ghouly Things Podcast, the quarantine spooky story special, episode 24. So we have a really long episode here. So let's get right into the socials, okay? Let's do it. Instagram. Just Ghouly Things Podcast. Our personal Instagram, at Rebecca Ruber and... At Lily Baldessari. Twitter. JGT Podcast. Facebook like page. Just Ghouly Things Podcast. Facebook private group. Just Ghouly Things Podcast group. And if you or someone you know has a paranormal experience that they'd like to share on our show, please email us at... Just Ghouly Things Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, Boo Things, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Goodbye. Goodbye.